Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. Today, I'm talking to Ed Center. He is the founder of Village Well Parenting, a community where parents come to learn skills that nurture the parent-child relationship, heal intergenerational wounds, and discover the wisdom that allows parents to remain culturally grounded. Ed has spent his career supporting low-income, underrepresented youth and adults by helping them gain access to the resources necessary to thrive, working as a success strategist through youth programs, nonprofits, and schools. Ed is also the father of two children. Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much. I'm also realizing that my bio is a mouthful, and so I'm going to go do some editing after (laughs) that. That was challenging to say. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's very impressive. You're a professional who's worked with kids your entire career, and you also, you know, have kids. You're also living the journey. Living the dream and coaching other parents and educators about how to work with kids in a way that is connected and grounded. But can I share a story from this morning that may just completely undermine any credibility that I have with your audience? So I forgot that today was Veterans Day, right? It's actually tomorrow. But on while we're recording, it's the substitute Veterans Day Friday. So my kid is off from school, my younger one, and he's six and he's home. We had a delightful morning. As I was coming here and doing a check to come onto the podcast, Google hit me with an update Chrome. And so I went into like crazy, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, they're going to think I'm irresponsible. And then my kiddo comes in pissed off. I have no idea about what. And so right. while I'm trying to figure this out, he's about to throw a stuffed turtle at me. And I remember I coach parents for a living and I have techniques for this. And I turn to him and say, if you throw that, Christmas is canceled. <laughs> and I'm like, why did that come out of my mouth? <laughs> Good Lord. I can't follow through on that. Right, right. So that fortunately, he did not throw the turtle. He stormed off and slammed the door. And so my threat worked. This is not a best practice. This is not a recommendation. I have 12 ways to help us all. But also, a good I mean, other than just laughing at ourselves, laughing in the face of my poor fatherhood, 
that when we are triggered, right, we get seized with these fight flight responses, in my case, flight, fight, and a desire to whatever, threaten, dominate, scream, hit. And so that is the biggest work of parenting is to learn to interrupt those triggers and those reactions. And I've gotten a lot better over the years. But in this situation, not so good. I give me a I don't know, C minus. I heard you on another podcast saying that it's when your kids act like jerks that we are the most likely to also start acting like jerks. That's very eloquently put and true. Correct. The double jerk syndrome. (laughs) And why does that happen? What's happening there? So what happens like physiologically, right, is that when our kids act in a certain way, we misinterpret their behavior as a physical threat, right? And so our kid being disrespectful, talking back, stubborn, whatever the thing is, our amygdalas, our lizard brain interprets that as a a physical threat and then sends all these hormones into our body that prepares us to fight or flee, right? And so we get shallow breath, we get tensed, we get a shot of energy from our glycogen being converted into glucose, which is why our hands sometimes shake when we're mad or nervous, right? So all of these things happen to prepare us to fight or flee. And so we then go into behaviors. And for some, for me, that is threatening or yelling, For other people, that is hiding or numbing. And for other people, that is a desire to make everything perfect and please everybody to make the situation better. And those are trauma responses, right? And they're usually connected to behaviors that we had to shut down in our early childhood because of our parents, right? And so for me, when I was a kid, and I had great parents, and there was very little room for negotiation, self-advocacy, talking back, right? And so it was perceived as disrespect. And so when I would talk back to my mother, say that was shut down immediately, sometimes physically, usually verbally and threatened and like emotional warfare, if you will, right? And so shutting down those experiences creates wounds that we carry that we often don't look at for a long time until we become parents and our kids have those same behaviors. And then we try to shut them down. Uh Right. And so it's like, we're upset with both our kids and ourselves at the same time for experiencing this. And in the case of talking back, right. that's a term you don't really hear anymore, but you certainly heard it when we were being raised, right. It's not a thing you, you hold kids to anymore, except unless you were raised I'll speak for myself. If you were raised not being able to talk back, right? If that was not a thing that could happen in your household and then your kid does do it because I guess they feel safe and secure in your love and they talk back and we live in an age where we're framing it differently, but our lizard brain is like, whoa, 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 that's not okay because it was never okay for me. Yeah. So my mom's term was sassy. She's like, don't you be sassy. And that she could say that with a straight face is really funny, right? (laughs) Like you're being sassy. And now I'm like a gay man. And I'm like, yes, girl, I'm sassy, right? (laughs) Right. Like there's no negative association with sass, right? But there is still that feeling if I am not calm, cool, and collected, 
right? Which the stress of the chrome update, just saying that sounds funny to me, right? (laughs) But the stress of that and the urgency and the time and having that additional thing, I was like, I have to shut that down. Uh-huh. Right. Because and so there wasn't enough composure for me to recognize when I was getting uh, dysregulated to re-regulate and then do the all the things that I could have done to calm that situation down without <laughs> threatening the cancellation, <laughs> the universal cancellation. Not going nuclear. <laughs> right. Right. And so that is a huge thing that I notice in the parents that I work with is that we were raised in a certain way and we, most of us have cultural wisdom and family wisdom that we want to bring to our families, right? And so that may be Christmas traditions. It may be a faith tradition. It may be service. It might be cousins as your first best friends, Right. So for my family, some Sunday suppers were everything. We're a queer family, so we change it to brunch. And and so like all of these traditions come, but we also have wounds. Right. We have things that maybe were trauma or maybe we're just uncomfortable and we want to interrupt them. So a classic one is I was raised so that I didn't have a lot of room to talk back, as you we say to our parents. I also had tons of freedom outside the house to express, right? And my kids, I want them to self-advocate, to negotiate, to express their feelings, to hold boundaries, right? And if they're going to do that, they need to have space to practice with me. And so I try to build the skills that they can do that in a calm, thoughtful way versus throwing a turtle. But sometimes when you're six, that's the best way you can express yourself. And so for me to be calm and collected in that moment, then I can meet his needs. I see that you're upset. I see that you need something. It's not okay to throw something. So you let me know when you're ready. And then we can talk about what you're upset about. And we can figure out if there's something to do about it. But I'm not going to engage with you while you're going to throw something at me. Right? Very different than canceling Christmas. Right. <laughs> so those are the two ends. Two things yes. you could try. I know which one is probably yes. ideally better. Yes. But with all parents, as you say, laughing in the face of motherhood, like we have to laugh at the fails. Right? Like we are going to have a ton of them. And so like, let's celebrate and laugh at the fails. I'm talking to Ed Center of Village Well Parenting, and we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches, I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So when you started looking at parenting coaching. You came to it as like, I need an approach, right? With your own children. As so many of us do like, oh, I need help around this. And then we become experts in the thing that we most needed to learn. Yes. And one of the things you discovered along the way, having read this on your website, is that there was a lack of diverse cultures and traditions represented in the sort of parenting advice that you were seeing. Yeah. So what happened, which is by no means unique to my family. So I will say my husband and I adopted two kids from uh, foster care and they are biological half brothers. We got them both as infants. They're six years apart. The first one was planned. The second one, we got a call and <laughs> they said, we have this baby boy, six weeks old. And I said, why are you calling me? And the social worker said, oh, I forgot to say, he's your older son's biological brother. And so, like, I screamed. And four days later, we had a baby moving. Oh, my gosh. And so we had an unplanned gay pregnancy, <sighs> and, which is how I described <laughs> it to my boss. So that's how we created our family. And, oh, like many families, when we went into pandemic shutdown, right, I know some families like had more time to be together and things slowed down and there was connection and games. And that was not our story. Right. Mine, not mine either. Yeah. And so we went into what fresh hell. <laughs> and 
the darkest part of that is that my older kiddo had a very intense mental health breakdown. And what I think that was related to is the disconnection from community, attempts at virtual learning when he has learning challenges, which are fine in a regular classroom, but virtual learning was never going to serve ADHD and dyslexia, right? And then also, like, he has wounds that were going to pop at some point. And so the pandemic was like the kettle, the oil, and the heat, right, Uh, for his popcorn. And so that happened, and it got really, really intense. And his outburst would show up as intense aggression and uh, screaming, breaking holes in the walls, threatening us, throwing things at us, and they would last like two hours. And the good news is that we got him all kinds of amazing support, I realize I'm doing something. My older kiddo is shifting to they, them pronouns, which I'm in the process of not like emotionally fine with it, just adapting to the language. Right. Literally adapting to it. Yeah. Also, they're such a dude in how they present. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't see the non-binariness. That's my stuff. And so I will adapt. So they, we got great support for them. And they're thriving now. Different school, different context, doing amazing. And... I knew that I needed support for myself and I couldn't find support that worked for me. And what that looked like was I was, I went out and found parenting resources, parenting coaches, and there were also social workers and counselors involved in the whole thing. And first of all, so we're, uh, my husband and I are Filipino and everyone uh, we engaged with was white and they came across as very didactic right? You have to do these things. And what we're going to do is take away all of your tools that you know how to do, which I understand now many of them are ineffective and problematic, right? But we're going to, you cannot threaten, you cannot punish, you cannot do timeouts, you cannot scream. And so when your kid is having a two hour fit about you asking them to brush their teeth, You need to show up in a loving, solid, calm way. And I'm like, what you don't understand is that I have generations of ancestors and my actual mother on the phone saying, beat him down. (laughs) Right. Right. Like he's acting up. He's testing your authority. You must hold strong. You must shut that down. Right. And so I got into power struggles with them all the time. And we are both very stubborn and we're both very temperamental. And so we had these vicious power struggles. And I knew that I was making their situation worse. I knew that I was screaming and threatening and punishing a mental health issue. And that was making it worse. And I didn't know how to stop in the moment because I was so triggered and I didn't have tools and skills. And so I- And P.S. It's very hard, right? P.S. It's incredibly difficult just to give you some grace. It's extremely difficult. Right. Thank you. Thanks so much. If the Chrome update was enough stress, (laughs) (laughs) right, to make me lose it in that moment, imagine this situation. And so I went out to find support and I couldn't find a parenting coach that was- Uh, of color and culturally grounded and understood 
my history and also was willing to deal with my trauma because that's really what we had to do is understand that it wasn't just about tools, but looking at my wounds so I could do the hardest thing that there is in parenting, which is to stay calm when your kid is not. I saw that on your website. I'm like, whoop, circling that. The hardest thing about parenting is to stay calm when your child is not. Yes, that's right. It's true. And so I went out and did research and I uh, researched in psychology, in culturally grounded practices around parenting, in developing community. And what I found is ways that I could learn at first to not react for one second. And then expanding that to five seconds. And what I found is if you can get to five seconds, you can do everything and anything, right? Because in that five second pause, you can access all your tools. You can realize where you're going. You can take a walk. You can say to your kid, I need to disengage, right? You can tell your partner if you're partnered, I need you to tap in right? There's all these things. But if you can't hold that long, you're going to go to your default responses. And then I was able to construct tools that worked for myself that felt both culturally grounded and respectful to my child and effective, right? And I didn't invent all of this stuff, right? Like this was pulling things together and creating my own framework. And so we really started to heal and get better as a family, It's still dang hard, right? So don't get me wrong, but we started to do so much better. And then there was a point where I thought, I bet I'm not the only person who is on this journey. I bet I'm not the only person who is looking for support, but wants it in a culturally grounded way that is done in community and feels respected and is trauma-informed. And what I've found is that there are other folks who are looking for this. And so now my work is with parents and also educators around supporting like big energy, big feeling kids who are prone to outbursts and how we hold our own sense of calm, but also boundaries in those moments. I noticed that right away when I went to your community, Village Well Parenting. When you go there, it's immediately, are you an educator or are you a parent or a child raiser? And I thought that's so interesting that the tools that are available here really are useful for anybody who spends a lot of their time with children in either capacity. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I do that is I love working with schools because I can support educators in uh, behavior management, in connecting with their kids, in understanding their big energy impulsive kids. But then I can also offer services to the parents because one of the things that's so challenging for schools is let's say Johnny's acting up right? And you call the parent and say, Johnny's acting up. And then the parent says, well, Johnny's acting up at home too. What should I do? And the school says, I don't know. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so this way, we actually have positive resources for the parents to be able to say, like, it looks like Johnny is acting out because they are frustrated around these things, or these are the things that trigger them, or maybe there's the possibility of ADHD or whatever. And so we can provide the resources for how parents can support at home and teachers can support at school. 
It seems to me like it's a new way to address sort of classroom needs because, again, going back to how it used to be, I mean, the way I went to school was 30 kids in a classroom, hands folded on their desks and silent at all times. And if you weren't, you were sent to the principal's office. And I think we all spent a lot more time, you know, trying to like sit up straight than we did learning sometimes but it was probably easier for the teacher. Yes. And now we want kids. And now they're, let me underline, like it's good for learning differences to be perceived as such instead of problem kids, right? It's good that that kids get to express joy in the classroom instead of sitting up straight and folding their hands. But I think sometimes a teacher is like, okay, I have have one kid that's taking 50% of my energy. How do I help the other kids in the class? Exactly. So what I would argue is that while we don't do the, you know, sit in your chair, sit up straight, eyes forward on the blackboard. Well, that's not the primary model. Now it's um, students engage with each other in groups, engage with the teacher expression. But here are the boundaries of behavior that are required for that. And if you go outside of those boundaries, then you're problematic to the teacher and the class. And so there are still major restrictions, especially because of group management, right? It's hard And so when you have a student that is prone to, has low frustration tolerance and big outbursts or has trauma that results in them getting into fights or crying or perfectionism, all of these things are perceived as challenges for the teacher and school, and they are. And so how do we actually um, minimize those behaviors by understanding what the needs of the students are and then providing teachers and parents with resources to support those students? Love it. I'm talking to Ed Center of Village Well Parenting, and we'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. You talked about something on your Instagram page that I thought was really, it, it hit the nail on the head, M&M parenting. <laughs> and I thought, oh, like, I know what that is. I never knew that had a name, but I know what that is. Thank you for bringing that up. So tell us what M&M parenting is. Yes. So like, I was so proud that I coined that term. I feel so, <laughs> so self-satisfied. Yeah. So I was working at uh, my last in-person job. And there were free M&Ms in the break room, right? In the lunchroom. And every day I would tell myself, I'm not going to have any M&Ms because they take me on a sugar high and crash and they are not aligned with my nutritional focus right now, right? And then every day at around 3 or 3.30, I would walk past them and I would break and I would devour handfuls (laughs) of these M&Ms, right? And so I was sabotaging my long-term goals for the quick fix, right? And M&Ms aren't even that good. Sorry, Mars or whoever owns M&Ms. <laughs> they're not a sponsor this episode. Yeah. They, yes. They, they're like, it's not good chocolate, right? And so, but still I would devour them. And so M&M parenting is when we do the thing in the immediate moment that will solve a situation or placate a situation in the short term that is not good for the long-term needs of our kids, right? And so if we give our kids our phones every time we go to a restaurant so that we can have adult conversation, our kids are not going to learn how to focus and have conversation at dinner. I'm not saying never do it right? But if that's our constant practice, then how do our kids learn to engage with people over dinner? Another one is if, so one, never take your kids to Target. Target is a death trap, right? Right. But sorry, Target, hope you're not a sponsor of this episode. Don't take your kids to Target. The lights, the sound, the toys, right? It's it's a stimulating environment. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And so there's inevitably a battle for, can I have that thing? And you can give in and placate your child, but also it's giving your child the sense that they can get anything they want at any given time, which is does not serve the long-term development of your kid, right? Quick one is your kid wants a snack 15 minutes before dinner. Never, never right. give in to that. It's going to sabotage your dinner, <laughs> right? Unless it's the vegetables that you're going to serve for dinner, right? Like you can offer some broccoli beforehand, go for it. But don't give your kid chips before dinner. So th- that's M&M parenting. I wanted to talk a little bit about decolonizing parenting because it's just a big idea that I think some listeners aren't familiar with. I don't want it to feel like a like complete, like, you know, like screeching our brakes and going in another direction. But I think it's, I think I have a way in, which is that like the traditions that we cherish and the traumas that we inherit are the same, come from the same place, right? And we have to revisit that. Yes. So, yeah. Ed, something that Village Well Parenting 
acknowledges as part of its work that was really illuminating to me was that the sources of our cultural wisdom that we all bring to our parenting, our lived experiences, and the generational trauma that might be in also impacting our parenting can come from the same place, the same source can, right? It's the same place. And so how do you start to investigate that? They always come from the same place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And ain't that a bizarre when you have to like untie that and unpack. So let me tell you, let me see if I can do this as a story quickly. So my grandparents came from the Philippines to Hawaii in the early 1900s to work the pineapple plantations in Hawaii. So my family's big on pineapple. I'm a pineapple expert. I am anti putting a ring of pineapple on a burger and calling it a Maui burger. And, but that's where my history comes from. The, I have gained so much wisdom from my Filipino family about the closeness of family, about loyalty, about connection. And there's this word that um, my Filipino dialect uses, antos, which is about endure, resilience, keep fighting on, right? And that word was used often for uh, taught to my generation, the third generation, as about like, you are, you come from strong stock, you can do this, right? And over time, what I learned is that our family has a shadow story that we don't talk about much, although I'm about to, which is that my grandmother was a child bride at 14. And that she didn't have agency in who she married. And she had 10 kids. And the life in the pineapple plantation was very dangerous. So my grandfather participated in strikes. And those strikes were often broken up by goons, right? Uh, physically broken up. And on payday, they used to hide with the women and children in the fields, uh, the men standing guards with the, in the cane fields, the men standing guards with their knives because they were worried about bachelors from the neighboring camp coming over to cowboy the women, right? And I was an adult when I figured out what cowboy meant. And so all of this love that I received from my family through generations is real. And there was also this violence and this fear of violence that seeped into our family culture and practices as well. And so my grandparents were very loving. They were also very violent with their children and very strict. And I can see how in their fight flight, right? Constant vigilance that they felt that they had to do that, but also that those practices were passed on so that everyone on that side of the family gets triggered so easily, gets angry so easily, gets offended if somebody, if a waiter fails to serve them correctly. That's not true for everybody, but that's a common characteristic. Like, I feel so dissed by the situation. And I'm like, Y'all, that's our trauma response. And antos can mean be strong and be resilient. And it can also mean suffer and endure and don't complain about your lot in life. And so these are the things that I try to detangle and bring one side of antos forward because I am strong and I want my kids to be strong, but I don't want to feel like I have to carry a burden of suffering. And I definitely don't want to pass that on to my kids. And so when we talk sometimes about 
decolonizing parenting in the village well. And so all of uh, my grandparents' story is shaped by a history of colonization right, of how Hawaii was taken over, of how labor was extracted from the Philippines and brought to Hawaii so that, you know, American businesses could flourish. And the violent practices that were allowed in that community at the time seeped into our family practices, right? And when I say this, it's conflicting for me because I obviously have an anti-colonization bent. And I think what happened with the takeover of Hawaii and, you know, cheap, cheap labor was problematic. It also created my family. And I grew up in Hawaii and I love being from Hawaii and what that means and the culture I gained from it. So it's very conflicting. And so the questions of how we decolonize is really to me about figuring out how to lean into the wisdom and start to understand the wounds. So tell us about Village Well Parenting and the different ways that parents can begin to learn from you and do this work. Yeah. So I do one-on-one coaching or mostly one with families coaching. And so that's part of what I do. I also think that for many people, and specifically folks of color, is that we're used to engaging in our healing processes in community, right? So in groups of people where we support each other, where we laugh at our failures, where we connect about our triumphs, where we support each other, where we cry together. And so I try to do more work in groups around specific topics. So say my toddler is driving me bonkers, uh, workshops around teens and screens, things like that. So where we come together over the course of time. For listeners, if you want to hang out with me, even after hearing all my failures, (laughs) the, the best way to do that is we have a free first Friday session at 12 Pacific, noon Pacific, every first Friday of the month. It's super chill. It's fun. I give a little parenting tool. So I may talk about nudging your kids to eat more nutritional food. And I talk about that for like 10 minutes. And then we just open it up to talk about whatever. And it's a great space to hang out together. And you can sign up for that in the links. And so that's a great way. And then also you can follow my socials, Instagram and Facebook at Village Well Parenting and TikTok at Queer Brown Dad. I love how uh, Village Well Parenting, how every family can find themselves represented there, right? Like parents, child raisers, LGBTQ families, adoptive families. And then when we walk into it, it is the same work. It is like getting your picky eater to eat something. It is getting your toddler to stop driving you crazy, right? We're all doing that work, even if our families don't look like one another. Yes. It's getting your mother's voice out of your head, right? (laughs) Unless it's when you want your mother's voice in your head. But I will say this, so much of the parenting um, coaching out there makes assumptions or and parenting like counsel makes assumptions that it doesn't, it's not aware 
I've done it. I'm aware of it now. You learn. Yeah, totally. And I do it too, because I'm living a relatively middle class life. And so things like my kids can get up anytime they want, but they're not allowed to come downstairs till seven, because that's my me time before seven. I mean, there are so much many assumptions (laughs) in that. And like, no shade on you. But if you don't understand the assumptions, um, then that becomes problematic. And especially that's true when I work because I do a lot of work contracted with government organizations and schools. And so I'm working with parents who have less means. And so it's really important to pull in the different cultural aspects, but also understand that those parents are facing stressors that are different from the ones that even I am facing. I I really love this conversation, Ed. I think you are a delight. And I think the work you're doing is so important. And I know that anybody listening to this today will be really uh, excited to check everything out at Village Well Parenting. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been really enjoying um, listening to your podcast. So I'm kind of fangirling right now being (laughs) here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ed. All right. Be well. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.